Please find your seats. Please find your seats and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to springboard to 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning so we can focus upon what God's Word has for us through Peter on the role of wives. This morning I'm going to have a a kind of a two-week mini-series on marriage. Uh, We're going to talk about the role of wives uh, this morning, next week with husbands. Now here's the deal. First of all, if it doesn't apply to you as either a husband or a wife, I promise you God's Word has application for you. So please don't tune out. Secondly, moms, we're going to celebrate Mother's Day for two weeks because we love you so much. And next week we're going to hammer, I mean preach to your husbands. And so what you want to do is you want to bring them back. All right, now we're looking around now to see who's not going to be coming back next week because we really need you to be here as we shift our attention and to look at uh, the role of husbands. Well, happy Mother's Day to you all. Uh, What a privilege is mine to have my mother-in-law in in the early service, a woman who I dearly love, and I can say that with great veracity. Uh, She has pointed me to Jesus in this service to have my own mother uh, here worshiping with us. What a joy is mine. And to be honest with you, this is a hard Sunday for many of us. I mean, the truth be told, for many of us, this isn't our greatest Sunday. Uh, we don't even necessarily look forward to it. For, for some, for some here even today, today's a painful reminder of what you're not. A mother. And for some, maybe single, maybe married. Uh, you know, you, you long for a child and you, you're praying like Hannah. I remember... We were preaching through James and we had that anointing with oil service. A couple coming down and with tears we're praying that they would be blessed with a child. And for some, today's a painful reminder that they're not. But it's a celebration like with the Rileys who they were there and now they know the joy of having Heath. And just look at Jeff over there, you know, is he not just giddy? And for some, it's a painful reminder of a mother that the story didn't go as planned and, and the past is filled with hurt. And for some, it's, it's a painful reminder that their, their mother has passed. We seem to be at that age of a church where our parents are getting older and many are knocking on heaven's door. And I know for, for many, um, and the difficulty for me here is this, you want a really good, feel-good sermon. Here's the deal, Jeff. I got plans at 12.15, get me out of here on time and make me feel good, all right? And I understand that. And listen, I truly do want to lift you up. But we live in a society that is producing desperate housewives. We live in a society that produces desperate housewives and we put it on national TV and we celebrate that reality. But God's word promises us so much more. And it's because I love you and because by God's grace I love his word is what I will give to you today. Is his word. And I pray that as you hear it, you will be built up and fall in love with him more. We're going to look at 1 Peter 1, verses, uh, 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6, being mindful that we're reading God's very own inerrant word. So turn with me there if you could. Um, as you hear this, I'm going to have three points today. We're going to talk about being a woman that roars, we're going to be talking about a woman who turns heads, and we're going to talk about being a trophy wife. 
Pretty interesting stuff. At least my points are interesting. All right, let's hope the sermon's going to be interesting. Let's, let's look at God's words together. 3.1. In the same way, you wives be submissive. Did, did he say submissive? This is Mother's Day. Did he, did, that, did he? What crazy guy preaches on this on Mother's Day? It's in God's word. Let's keep going. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry and putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, and in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, I can't get Katie to go there yet. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Let us pray together. Father God, you know the truth about this pastor here this morning that my heart wants to run to fear. Run to fear because God, there's words here that, that our society may not like and there's words here that it may seem on the surface at least very difficult. And Father, you know the truth about me and you know that I'm a broken sinner who who doesn't live out the reality of your word. And I know for a fact, God, that we're not here to hear my words or my wisdom. God, we need something so much more than that. So Father, we ask for your glory and for our health and joy that your spirit would come with power and open up our ears to hear not my voice, but your voice. And and God, allow our our minds to understand what you have for us so so it makes sense. And God, soften our hearts so that they embrace your truth. And and God, compel our feet to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Father, I pray that through the power of your Spirit, you would give me a spirit of boldness without fear. And Father, for the one who even now sits shifting in their seat, provide peace. Peace. And reveal yourself as a God who loves and cares and rescues and wants the best. We pray this for your glory and for our joy. Amen. The first two verses tell us that to be a godly woman, God wants you to be a woman who roars. A roaring woman. And a little bit of a different twist because who wants to come here on Mother's Day and hear a sermon about submission? Really, what you want to hear, or at least what the society tells you what you want to hear. I mean, throw off those shackles, lay your hair down, roar, woman, roar. Stand up for your rights. Be someone who is heard. God, too, wants you to be a woman who is heard, but in a unique way. And it starts off here with this, with this word submission. The first thing we need to see is this. It starts off this way, in the same way. The beauty of this text is, women, is this. Peter is dealing with submission. 
He's not getting to the point where he's now going to talk to wives where he's going to pull out of his back pocket and nail you all over the head saying, by the way, you have to submit. No, when it says and starts off in the same way, Peter obviously already has been talking about this. And in reality, submission is something that all of us should live our lives. We all should be living our lives in submission. Turn with me to 1 Peter 2.13. Look at 2.13. And you'll see this uh, uh, listed in 2.13 where Peter is going to tell not just the women but all of us, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution. The word there is kind of like creation, that which has been created. So submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every institution, whether to a king as the one in authority. It goes on to say in verse 18. Okay, 13 says this. All of us got a little life of submission. And it tells us that we have to do it for the Lord's sake. So it includes not just women, but every one of us. God has created us to be beings reflecting his glory. But as we submit to authority that he established, Scripture clearly tells us all authority, he is the one who establishes it. And as we do, we bring him glory. It'll move on to verse 18. It'll be a little bit more specific. It will say this. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. It's talking about this relationship with those who are above us, uh, our bosses, uh, those in in life that, that we report to. It says this, all servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. And look at what the Holy Spirit through the pen of Peter writes. Not only to those who are good and gentle, not only to those who deserve it, but also to those who are unreasonable. Wow. I must be really serious about this. Then we get to 3.1 and we see now Peter picks that back up. and says, in the same way, as I've just challenged the whole body that we need to live our lives in submission to the Lord for the Lord's sake in all the relationships that we have. Now specifically with a wife in 3.1. And then in 3.5 he's going to focus upon the relationship with Sarah and Abraham saying, here is a godly example of this. And then in 3.22, Peter is going to talk about the resurrected Christ and all the powers and all of the angels all submit to him. That all of creation has been given to him and all of us, even the angels, are living in submission to our God. And then in the end, the last time Peter uses this is in chapter 5, verse 5. And it says this, and how appropriate for us who are men, especially young men. You young men, likewise, be subject to your elders. Be in submission to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Well, we see that this the submission deal is not just for women. But we've got to ask the question. I mean, don't you get here sometimes and say, what's up with this? I mean, why would the Lord want us under submission. I want to give you a couple of things to think about. First of all, it's this. It's to honor God. He has created us for His glory. He's created us to know Him and reflect who He is. He's created us to show through our lives, through our very beings, our submission to His Godship, that He's God and we're not. And so when He calls us into this, submission, this lifestyle of submission... 
What he's saying is, it honors me. All authority has been set up, and you are going to honor me. Listen, it's not honoring your husband. It's honoring God. That's the reality. And also, on the flip side of this, if we turn to Titus, Titus chapter 2, we see not only is uh, submission honoring to God, but if we live this kind of life, it does not dishonor God's word. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Paul is going to write very similar words. And you see the beautiful totality of Scripture here. In verse 3, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, there's that submission, be subject to their own husbands, so that, you may want to underline this, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. You see, as, as we relate to one another, and as this incredible union of marriage that God has instituted himself, who he wants to use this institution for, to reflect our relationship with him, he says, it's about honoring me. And and not only is it about honoring me, it's so that we don't dishonor God's word. But there's more. And it's this, is that God has called us dearly beloved children to imitate Christ. And Jesus, the eternal man, uh, the eternal God made man, although he's equal with the Father in substance and glory, completely equal, he submitted to the Father. He submitted to the Father's will. And listen, Jesus will not ask us to do anything that he will not do or has not done himself. He became submissive even to the law. He became submissive even to the authorities and the rulers. I mean, you picture him in front of Pontius Pilate. And here's Pilate and all of his arrogance saying, do you know who I am? Do you not know who I am? And Jesus saying, yeah, I know who you are. But you got, you got nothing going that my father didn't give you. And yet, here is the creator of the universe submitting himself for the glory of the Father and for our redemption. See, that's why the Lord will want us to submit. And we got to see that there's not a caveat that it depends upon the husband. You know, sometimes we see this and say, well, my husband doesn't deserve to be submitted to. You don't know him. He's a brute. He's not a believer. He doesn't love me as Christ loved the church. And therefore, there's this uh, tit for tat. He's not doing his deal. I'm not going to do my deal. And I love the reality of Peter that he does the same thing that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7. It's basically this. Submit to your husband. And who's the husband right here in verse 1? He's an unbeliever. He's disobedient to the word. And yet God is saying to us, that doesn't disqualify from the reality. Why? Because I'm not calling you to submit to him first and foremost. I'm calling all of us to submit to the Lord. And therefore, we cannot, women, look at our, wife, our husbands and say, you know, they just don't, they don't deserve it. There's another beautiful thing you've got to see. This, you'll like this one, I promise. It says to your own husband. It doesn't say to all male. You hear that? It says to your own husband. I mean, there's a unique relationship that God has blessed, husband and wife, that reflects who he is and our relationship with him through Christ. And so the submission is unto your husband. And it doesn't mean that you can't uh, have a, a job where you're over men. It doesn't mean that you have to be submissive to all men, although they may tell you that that is not true. It is unto your own 
husband. You also see that God has an evangelistic purpose of this. I mean, there's a purpose. It's to bring God glory. Live in such a way that it's so pure and chaste. It's so respectful. That as you live your life, your unsaved husband will come to Christ. There's also another caveat i got to tell you. What this does not mean. It doesn't mean submit to your husband when he is being disobedient clearly to God. When he is endangering you. When what he's calling you to do is put you in danger. Listen, that, that's wrong. And if you need help to parse that, because sometimes we have a hard time understanding what is really dangerous and what's not, please come talk to your elders and pastors. We'd love to talk to you. This doesn't mean get yourself in a situation where your life is threatened and your kids are threatened. But it does mean if every, every ability that you have be in submission to your husband. And again, I love how Paul and Peter just lift up the sanctity of marriage, saying to a believing spouse, live with the unbeliever. Show them Jesus. And let your purity and reverence roar. You see, God wants you to roar, women. He wants you to roar. But He wants that purity. He wants that reverence to be that which is roaring to the world. Verses 3 and 4 are going to tell us that you should be a woman who turns heads. We live in a society that lusts for physical beauty at all costs. Beauty that turns the head of others. Listen to some of these statistics. In 2002, Americans spent $9.4 billion, $9.4 billion on cosmetic surgeries. From 1997 to 2004, plastic surgeries have increased 465%. A billion dollars a year are spent on beauty products. Have you ever stopped to wonder how much you're paying for beauty products? Women, women, especially young women, listen. You want to be a woman who turns heads. You do. You want to be a woman who turns heads. But you want... Heads to turn upward to God. Not toward your own beauty. Not in vanity saying, I want to be a head turner so they look at me. God has created you women in Christ to be a head turner so that you, they turn they say, wow, look at the beauty and the glory of their Savior. Be a head turner, but be it for God. Ask the question when you, uh, you wake up in the morning and get yourself dressed. Am I dressed to turn heads toward me? Is it all about me? Is it about selfish ambition? Or is it about God? And I'm, God's word is not telling, put on a gunny sack and forget the makeup and go out looking like you've been out in the rainstorm. It's just about modesty. It's about whose head are you going to turn for whose glory? Does it make sense? I mean, it's, it's, uh, I love the reality. He's not saying don't put on any makeup. Don't have any jewelry. It's be a head turner for him. And I tell you, women in the workplace, let me give you a specific challenge. I mean, you know that that men are visual. And you know that you have the ability to capture our attention in what you wear. And to use it for your favor. Listen, God has called you to turn heads. And if he's put you in a marketplace, use that for his glory. Let them look at you and turn upward. Not turn and look at you and your beauty. 
The beauty that God wants to give us that turns heads is a beauty that's imperishable. It's unfading. It's true beauty. I love the reality. Peter calls it this, the hidden person of beauty. It's the inward man. Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 16 or 18, um, that says this, the outer man is decaying, it's fading away, but the inner man, this inner beauty, it's being renewed every day, and it's the inner beauty that God wants us to display and to turn heads. It's true beauty, and it's so powerful. Listen, when Peter says this, and there's so much power in this, it explodes when he says this, let the inner, the hidden heart The hidden beauty of your heart be seen. You know what he's saying? There's so much more. He's basically saying the hidden heart of man. Why would he say that when he's addressing wives? Because here's what he wants you to know. Women, you have the image of God. You equally have the image of God. In verse 7, he's going to call you joint heirs in Christ. There's no second class citizens with God, women. You're it. You're right there. You are a joint heir in Christ. And you're beautiful. And he's saying there's a reflection of Jesus in you. That's the inner beauty. It's there. It's not just in man. It's in you as well, woman. Let that inner beauty reflect and shine for His glory. For all the world to see. You see, the beauty, the beauty is Christ. The beauty is Christ in you. And this beauty is unperishable. It's unfading. And it's true beauty. Have you ever seen it? I saw it in the face of my grandmother. I mean, it was, it was later in her life, this godly woman who was wrinkled and, and fading into glory. In many ways, her physical beauty had long since left her. And when you walk into her room, and although she's with the Lord now, you walk into that room, and there she was. And when she started to sing the glory of her Redeemer, when she started to talk about the love of her Savior, there was a beauty that radiated that age could not squelch. And it was the beauty of Christ. You know, we all want to know that we're beautiful. And women, you want to hear that you are beautiful. But here's my question. Who are you going to listen to to tell you you're beautiful? Who are you going to listen to to tell you you're beautiful? The teenagers uh, have uh, this, this internet deal that's exploding called MySpace. It's a pretty cool thing what they can do. They, they get on this MySpace and they are able to, uh, to put some pictures of themselves on there and they're able to communicate with friends and they're able to put their favorite song on there and maybe some movie clips. And, and uh, um, it's interesting because they basically are promoting to the whole world, here's who I am and here I am. And, and they don't know that their pastor and others go on these sites and are absolutely brokenhearted. As we see the young people in this church who will dress like a harlot and, and they'll post these pictures and they'll have the ability to anybody to go look at them. And then people will be able to respond to the picture. And they'll be able to say, you are so sexy. You are so hot, girl. You are so beautiful. I want to weep. I say, don't listen. Yes, you are beautiful. We don't have to dress like a harlot. There's a beauty that's inside you in Christ. Who are you going to listen to to tell you you're beautiful? You're going to listen to the world, and I tell you, if you're going to listen to the world, you're going to dress like that. If you're going to listen to the world, your life's going to revolve around that. But if you're going to believe the reality of God's Word, that there's a beauty inside you in Christ, 
And that inner beauty is so much more valuable. Listen to Him. If you listen to the world, the Lord say to you, listen, young woman, listen. If the Lord says, you are beautiful, that's the voice you need to hear. And you will live your life to His pleasure and not to the world that just wants a piece of you. And listen, men, men, listen. It's our job to bring out that true beauty. It's our job to praise that true beauty. God says this inner man, this inner heart is valuable. It's precious. It's rich. And this is men. This is what we should see as precious and valuable and rich. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 is very famous. It's the exhortation for husbands to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Everybody heard that one, right? Then it goes on to say that as Christ is going to cleanse us and purify us and present us to the Father spotless and beautiful and radiant. That is our call. Men, listen, our call is to, for our wives to pull out that inner beauty, to love that inner beauty, to wash them in God's Word, to perfect them, and to lift them up to the Father and say, this is a beautiful child. But you know what we do? It's our lust that often get in the way. And we emphasize external beauty instead of true beauty. I caught a TV show that was like this extreme, extreme, extreme makeover TV show of, of, of women. And they took these women for several months. They, they, they did several surgical procedures. They showed you a picture of a physically challenged, a beautiful challenged woman. And then they, they went through from head to toe. They just changed this woman and they bring them back to their husbands or their, their mates or whoever. And I was watching this one woman. It was an incredible transformation. She hardly recognized this woman when she eventually uh, came back out on, onto the, uh, the, the show. And there was the husband, and he's weeping, and he's crying, and he runs up. Hey, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. And he starts saying, and I love you, and I love you. And I started thinking, you're such a jerk. <laughs> I mean, if there's anybody on the planet that should have loved her where she was, if there's anybody on the planet that should see her, her inner beauty, if there's anyone who should say, honey, you don't need that. I love you. You're beautiful. It was him. What does he do to communicate to his wife that you're just not good enough? You know, you're just not quite good enough for me to really, really love you. And that's why I need pornography. You just don't measure up. And what do we tell our wives and what do we tell our daughters when we're saying that they're not good enough? Go fix something. We're emphasizing the wrong thing. There's an inner beauty that God has called us to cherish and to bring out. You see, men, our lusts have told our wives and our daughters that they're not good enough. And this is a message that the world is telling them over and over and over again. And no wonder they're eating disorders. No wonder they're having plastic surgery. No wonder they're on the internet saying, tell me I'm beautiful. We're not celebrating inner beauty. We're not celebrating true beauty. But women, you have a Savior, and oh, your Redeemer lives, and look to Him, and He believes you're beautiful and you're precious. And, and There's a special ring that I've given Katie on our anniversary several years ago, and when she wears it, I just, it just fills me with joy because I see a reflection of our love and who we are. And, and it reminds me that she's a precious jewel to me. And, and, when, and when your Savior looks at you, He sees you as this precious jewel. Women, you need to be a trophy wife in verse 5 and 6. A Google search for trophy wife says this, a trophy wife refers to a marriage pattern in Western society in which some men marry attractive women 
as a form of display intended to exhibit their wealth and success to others. How pathetically narcissistic is that? Ladies, the truth is, God wants you to be a trophy wife. Ladies, God wants you to be a trophy wife. He wants you to be a trophy wife, but not the way Google describes it. His trophy. His trophy. Displaying His beauty. You see, Sarah hoped in God. Her faith was in God. And because of her faith in God, God made her a trophy in His eyes. Her hope wasn't in a husband. Her hope wasn't that God would provide a husband like many of yours hope is. Her hope was in God. And because she feared God, and because her hope was in God, she honored God and was submissive even to her own husband. As children, we sing a song. Sing with me. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. You know what the amazing thing is? Sarah's got a song too. Look at verse 6. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children, her children, if you do what is right and fear God and trust in God without being frightened or afraid with any fear. The reality is his mother Sarah had many daughters, and many daughters had mother Sarah. And the question is, are you one of them? I mean, are you one of them who have put your faith and trust in God and to do rightly without being frightened or afraid? Listen, the world out there will tell you you're, you're, you're old-fashioned. The world out there will tell you, tell you you're backwards. But without any fear, living in a desperate housewife society boldly for the reality of God and the way he's called us to live. And men, next week we're going to hit this. Listen, men, our wives should have absolutely no fear of living this way. There should be no fear in our households to live for Christ this boldly. More next week. You know, I've never been very good at picking out Mother's Day presents. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty lousy. Sometimes it's just a card, but there's one present I'll never forget. It was when I was about in second grade. Uh, we were making pins for our moms for Mother's Day. And, you know, I've never been very artistic. I'm really challenged there as many other places. And not only that, as many of you know, I'm colorblind. And a colorblind person has a hard time making beautiful things. And I think, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put every color together. I'm going to make every color I can think of. It's going to be really, really beautiful. Add all the colors. And guess what you get when you get all the colors? Brown. And, and really, if it wasn't church, I'd tell you it was poop brown. But I can't say that. So, but it was really that kind of color, brown. And, and I thought it was beautiful. And I brought it to my mom. And you know that she wore them as they were royal jewels. You see, we are royal jewels to God through Christ. Women, that is who you are in Christ. You may not feel like a royal jewel. You may feel more like that brown pin. But God loves you and loves to display His beauty through you. You see, the, father, the Son, the Son has given you to the Father. And we in Christ are beautiful. As we close, let me ask you to think about a few things. Women, Are you submitting to your husbands? If so, do so and roar and tell others. Lead a C2 group, a small group. Older women, it's biblical. We read it in Titus. Teach the younger women. We so desperately need to have godly women, godly mothers. Let me ask, how much do you spend on outer beauty? 
Every time you buy something, even for a month, just think, am I investing this much on what really counts on the inside? And men, are you emphasizing true inner beauty? And are you praising that? Let us pray. Father God, we thank You for the incredible love that You've lavished upon us. And God, we thank You for this challenge. It's a tough challenge on Mother's Day to live our lives in submission. But God, as we do, we feel Your pleasure. And we have life and life abundantly. Father, thank You for my mother, my mother-in-law, my godly grandmother. And Father, all those who have shaped my life, God, I pray for every mother here. God, would You bless them And may they not believe the lie that outer beauty that's fading away is what matters. God, I pray for the young women in this church. There's so many of them, God, and they're right on the cusp. And they're listening to the world tell them they're beautiful. And they are. But God, it's that inner beauty that needs to shine. Would you so allow them, give them ears to hear you say they're beautiful. And God, would that be enough? Father, for the one who desperately wants to be a mother and it's not, would you please comfort and bless? For the one who's a mother but doesn't have a husband who just rejoice in it, would you richly bless? Thank you for loving us. And thank you for the inner beauty we have in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.